Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, if you're new to Authentic Church, uh, we want to welcome you. And, you know, our vision here at our church is that this would be a place where people would encounter the living God. Like he is alive. God is real. He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to just meet with you on Sunday. He wants to meet with you all throughout the week. And that this would be a place where you'd also discover a community. That there'd be a sense of community that you wouldn't feel like you're doing life alone. Uh, There's some things in life you can do alone. Community and growth in God was not designed for you to do alone. And so we pray that you would be planted and involved. Uh, Psalms says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. And sometimes as Christians, I've seen it throughout the body of Christ, there's people that love God, but they never took time to really get planted into a house, and they were constantly planted and then replanted and replanted and kind of go from here to there. And because of that, they've now done that for 20, 30 years of their life, and they don't have roots that have gone down. And they may have fruit in their life, but man, not to the degree that they would have if they just took time to get planted. It's like that, it's like that fruit tree that you just keep replanting and replanting. It's not the pot, okay? It's, it's the fact that they haven't stabilized in one area. So I would encourage you as well, if you're considering authentic church, I would encourage you to be planted. And if it's not this house, find a house where you can be planted, where you can go all in, where you can do life with people, that it's not only a place that you attend, it's a place that you serve, right? And so, uh, so I just want to encourage you to do that. And, and part of our vision is that people would fulfill the call of God on their life, that there's something special and beautiful on your life that's not on my life. And we need what you have in the body of Christ. And it's our, our, our goal and our joy as pastors to be kind of on the front row, being able to see and call out the, the blessing and the call of God on your life and to see that come to pass. And uh, this past weekend, last weekend on Sunday afternoon, a bunch of us went down to uh, Pirate's Cove and took part in a gathering that was called Baptize SoCal. And, uh, and for those of you that don't know what this was, this was a gathering above a bunch of churches throughout Orange County that just said, hey, we, we may not agree on everything, but let's agree on the main things. And one of the main things in Christianity is water baptism. And so all of us pastors joined in together. Uh, we sowed into the event financially. Uh, if you recall, uh, back, if I could pause, take you back to the month of December. In the month of December, we had our annual legacy offering. One of the lanes of legacy that we had in that offering was evangelism, reaching the lost. And so Authentic Church as one of many churches that joined with us, because of your generosity to Lanes of Legacy in December, we were able to sow $5,000 into Baptized SoCal as an event to help with the shuttle buses, the shirts, the crews, everything else that came in. You were part of that, and I just want to show you what some of your fruit went to, okay? So here's, here's the numbers, tail of the tape. There was 4,167 baptisms it went over four and a half hours in Pirate's Cold, Pirate's Cold, Pirate's Cove. <laughs> and it, it was cold. It was cold, but man, it's worth it. Hell's hot. So water may be cold, but hell's hot, okay? 
There was 280 churches that were represented in some fashion. I believe 250 pastors joined in, but 280 churches represented. And there was eight to 10,000 people that were estimated to have been in attendance. And I just want to show you just a few of the pictures that we have from the event. Uh, you can see different people as they were coming up out of the water. There's April. You have uh, Nicole and Cheyenne and Kara, Chris and I. Chris was the mighty number 15. We were lane 15. They had all these different lanes because there were so many people. So when it was our turn to baptize, they said, all right, you guys are in lane 15, 14, and 13. And so we got in the water, and the lanes just kind of went away, and everybody just started coming and getting baptized. And it's just a beautiful time. People come up and up, up out of the waters really new. Like when there's water baptisms, it's not just let's get wet for Jesus. It's that there's literally a supernatural moment that happens there where we believe that the old man is gone and the new person is rising now in newness of life in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. So uh, next year, uh, we believe, is going to be even bigger. Um, we've already been in conversations with the city of Newport to take over an area of Newport Beach. I'm a little, uh, I guess, the romantic inside of me wants to stay at Pirate's Cove and just continue to blow it up. Um, but uh, the, New, uh, the Newport Police Department kindly requested that we would be at a different beach <laughs> because it was, a, it was pretty taxing on them. But it was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time. It's all over social media. If you follow along with Authentic and Baptize SoCal, there's Instagram accounts, and you can see tons of video, tons of footage, all the water baptisms. But is that awesome or what? 4,167 people. Come on. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word today. I'm excited for what God is, is going to lead us on into today uh, in this part two of our series on the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Just ask Him to just own this moment with us today. God, we just welcome you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come, have your way. Lord, if you don't speak, there's nothing of value to be shared today. And so we ask you to speak. We're here seeking, we're asking, we're knocking, we're coming to you, and we're asking you to give us fresh revelation, baptize us fresh, fill us in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say, what's on your heart for every person in here. Even the words that come out of my mouth, God, if there's something different you want to say, I pray that you would change it when it hits our ears, that we would hear from you today. I pray, Father, you take hold of this message, this teaching. I pray, God, that you would have your way, that you would breathe, that you would lead, that you would guide, that you'd show us something we never saw before. Give us a thought we never thought about before. Just show us more of you. Give us fresh revelation today that might lead to transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we've been in a, a series. We started a series on the Holy Spirit, and today is week two. And I just want to encourage us all in the course of this series, uh, some of you, you might have a PhD in the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. I would encourage you to lean in to receive something new. To others of you, you don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. It's like Acts 19 verse 2 where Paul is ministering to the young church at Ephesus. He gra grabs a group of believers and he says, he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So you might be sitting here today going, I, I, I don't even know. I, I just, I, I heard about Jesus and he forgave me and cleansed me. And I, I don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. If that's you, I want to encourage you as well today. Lean in 
and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and show you something new. And, and unfortunately, Christians haven't done the best job of explaining and, and sharing solid sound doctrine teaching of who the Holy Spirit is. And if you're not careful, you could do a deep dive in the wrong wormhole in social media and YouTube and, and you know, somewhere on the internet and you look up Holy Spirit and you might see something that's totally not doctrinally correct. And my goal isn't to give you Jeff's perspective today. My goal is to give the perspective of heaven through the Bible and understand the Holy Spirit more. And I want to talk to us today. I want to kind of go back. A lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit as that something or someone that was introduced brand new in the New Testament, right? The book of Acts and the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire and people speaking in tongues. It's like, okay, time out. Before you look at the what happened you need to know who and understand the why. Like, why would God do that? Like, why would Jesus want you to be baptized? Why, why did he breathe on his disciples in John 20, and then and, and they received the Holy Spirit? And then why in Acts 1 did he tell them, now I want you to wait because I have a gift for you, the helper, and you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why, why did he do it in that order? And why did the Holy Spirit come who is the Holy Spirit, and really to understand the person, the power, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you really got to go back to the beginning. And so we're going to unpack some things today, but I want to talk to you about the kingdom of heaven. So there's the kingdom of heaven, the unseen world, and there's the kingdom of earth, which we know as the seen world, right? God operates in both realms, okay? In Genesis 1, verse 1 through 2, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God creates the heavens and God creates the earth. It's really important to understand that. We read over this and we have it memorized. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and blah, blah, blah. Right? It's, we, we know this. But you got to understand the Holy Spirit you got to understand the kingdoms of God. So there's the, the kingdom of heaven, and then God established a territory on earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then what happens? God creates, and then in Genesis 1.26, God creates us. And God said, let us, this is speaking to the plurality of God, right, the Godhead, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. That's really important to understand. God is saying, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay, some people were raised and they thought it was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. <laughs> it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God said, let us make man in our our image, and let's give them dominion. So there, there's dominion that he created and gifted to you. He essentially gifted you a kingdom that maybe you haven't really fully discovered and conquered yet, okay? And it goes on to say in verse 27, so he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I'm not a fan of the creepers. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him male and female. I hope that silences a lot of question marks for people today. He created them male and female. He created them. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven. So understanding the role of the Holy Spirit is essential to understanding the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom that Jesus came to bring is not a religion. Like people don't understand that. Some people think Jesus came to start a new religion. Jesus did not come to start a new religion. He came to reestablish a kingdom. So you have the kingdom of heaven and you have the earth. And the earth that was formless and void, he created you and I, placed us on the earth to have what? Dominion. Okay, what is a kingdom? A kingdom is just like it sounds. It's a king's dominion. A kingdom, the definition of it, is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting that territory with his plan, with his will, his plan, and his purposes. Okay, so you have the kingdom of heaven, and you have the earth, and you have the king that has a territory on the earth. A good way to think about the earth was kind of like the earth was a colony. Think of the earth like a colony of heaven. So heaven is established, and then God creates the earth to colonize with his people. And it, just as he is king in the heaven, he created you to have your own dominion, to be kings, if you will, on the earth. Jesus said, I'm the king of kings, right? So he created you to have dominion on the earth. When you begin to understand the kingdom and the territory of God that he has given to you and I, that as believers we're reclaiming that which he already cr created, then you have a different perspective when it comes to economy. You have a different perspective when it comes to prosperity, God's prosperity, God's measures of prosperity. You have a different perspective when it comes to procreating and the value of life. You have a different perspective when it comes to stewardship because you're a steward, you're an ambassador of the kingdom, okay? So within a kingdom, if you study out kingdoms and, and through centuries, there's many kingdoms that have kind of rose and fell, but a hallmark of a kingdom is there was always what? A king, right? And within the kingdom, there was a territory. A territory was the king's domain. The kingdom is the king's domain. It's his dome. It's his domain, okay? The king's domain. So there's a territory Within a kingdom, there would have been a constitution which they looked at as a royal covenant. In a kingdom, there is citizenry where there's a community of subjects. There was law, which is a layout of acceptable principles according to that kingdom. There are privileges. There's rights and benefits for being part of that kingdom. Because I'm a member of that kingdom, I have certain rights and privileges. There's a code of ethics. Code of ethics would be there's acceptable lifestyles. There's acceptable conduct of a citizen of that kingdom. Within a kingdom, there's an army, right? There's an army that provides security, protection, blessing. Within a kingdom, there was a commonwealth that provided economic security. There was a social structure with traditions, protocol, and procedures. 
And I just want you to just pause on this. I just want, to, just want you to stop trying to jump ahead because I know some of you are playing mental gymnastics right now and you're like, I know where he's going. I know where this is unfolding. I just want you to think just the basics of the essence of the king in the kingdom of heaven and earth being a territory for his sons and daughters to establish and expand. And the goal is that we begin to reflect the kingdom so that whether you're in the territory or you're in the kingdom, it looks the same. It functions the same. And tapping into the Holy Spirit is critical to understanding the ways of the king. Jesus said this. This was his mission statement in Matthew 4, 17. So Jesus was baptized. When he is water baptized, the Holy Spirit descends on him. So they said it looked like a dove, and it rested on him. It's important to understand that. And then from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. Jesus did not come to bring a new religion. Jesus came to bring a kingdom. A kingdom denotes that there is a government. So he came to bring the government of the kingdom of heaven to earth. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it's on every Christmas card. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the what? Government shall be on his shoulders, talking about Jesus, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his what? Government, and of his peace there will be no end. Did Jesus come to bring a religion? No, he's bringing the government of heaven. He's reestablishing what was lost in the garden. So the kingdom of God is not a religion. It's a government. So we're coming up in just a few weeks. It's going to be 4th of July, right? On 4th of July, we, have, we, we celebrate Independence Day, right? The Declaration of Independence that was signed on July 4th, 1776, okay? So we, we celebrate that on every July 4th. That was the colony of America, the colonies saying, we are not going to take this anymore. We do not want the king of England to rule here anymore. And so they rose up and they declared independence. And when you declare independence, that means that you as a country, well, you got to write your own bills. You got to pay your own bills. You got to write your own tickets. You got to take care of yourself then. And you got to serve up your own military. And you got to deal with the trading and the economy and blah, 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 blah. You're on your own. Okay. In essence, when Adam sinned, he declared independence from God and the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So you have the kingdom of heaven, and then you have the kingdom on the earth. God created man and put him in the garden. Where? On the earth. Some of us get so excited that our life goal is, I just want to get to heaven. But when you read Revelation, the saints are up there, and they're like, they're toiling, because on the day of resurrection, they're going to be resurrected. And the, and the Bible begins in the garden, and guess where the Bible ends? It actually ends on earth, right? There's new heavens, there's a new earth, okay? So some people get so excited to go to heaven, it's like, well, time out, wait, that's not the goal. The goal isn't to get you to heaven. The goal is for you to bring heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the ways of heaven, the ways of the king, to the earth. How do you do that? You cannot do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's a story about uh, when, Port when, when Portugal 
uh, expanded their territory. They used to be one of the mightiest uh, armies in the world. And they were doing explorations, and they actually uh, explored and ventured into most of what we know as today as South America. And, um, and after several wars and, and different things, they ended up getting, they kind of began to own as their territory, Brazil. And the king of Portugal had a son, and the son really wanted to be king. The only problem is he cannot be the king while his dad is still alive. And his son was just getting frustrated because there's more territory, there's more land, and he wanted a place that he could call his own. And so the father sent the son to go to Brazil. And when that, when that son got sent from Portugal down to Brazil, he immediately, when he touched ground, foot on the ground in there, he became king. And he was the king of Brazil. Now the father, when he would go visit the son and leave Portugal and go down to Brazil, he was no longer the king. The father was known as a prince because the only one that can be king in that country is that king. So he would go and visit his son, and when he arrived, his son had rule and authority because his son was the king of Brazil. And his father would go back to Portugal, and when he came back to Portugal, he was regarded as the king. When his son would leave Brazil and come visit him in Portugal, he wouldn't come into Portugal as a king. He would come to Portugal as the prince because his dominion was Brazil. His area that he was given as a territory to rule and reign was back in Brazil. So when he came to heaven, he was a prince. But when he went back to Brazil, he was regarded as a king. God has taken you and I, placed us on earth to take dominions, and forget the word king if that holds you up, but essentially he's placed you in a position of authority to rule and reign. And not by your own will, that's not the goal. The goal is that you reflect the kingdom from which you were sent. The Holy Spirit, going with analogy like this, the Holy Spirit could be likened to a governor. When a, go when, when, when a king would expand a territory, the king would establish a governor that was sent from the throne, so is sent with papers, with the authority from the throne to that territory to govern. The role of the governor was to establish the ways of the kingdom. So the kingdom that the governor gets sent from, they come there and they begin to establish that form of government, those ways, those actions, how they dress, how they talk, what they wear, what they're eating, what they're drinking, their mannerisms, their culture. The goal is that that governor would come to that territory and begin to establish that territory so that if you visited the king's kingdom or the territory that was established, you cannot tell the difference. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit comes and helps us to expand and establish the territory of the king here on the earth. That's why Jesus prayed in Matthew 6.10. He said, when you pray, say this, your kingdom come and your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. There's a kingdom of heaven and God's placed you as kings and queens, rulers, 
to take authority, take dominion on the earth here to help expand and establish the kingdom. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven's government to the earth. That's what he did. And you can always tell, like, so in, in the United States now, when they began to colonize the United States, there was different wars that worked up. There was different uh, native tongues that were spoken here by the Native Americans. You had the French and Indian War. Uh, you had the, the Spanish came, and they wanted territory. And you can always tell, you can always tell, listen closely to this, you can always tell who won the war by what language you speak. The reason we speak English is because as they expanded and they held the territory, the people of English speaking, of English origin, won the war. The reason they speak Portuguese in Brazil is because the people of Portugal won the war. You can always tell who won the war by the language you speak. Oh, man. In a few weeks, we're going to unpack tongues and speaking in tongues in the heavenly language. It's going to be awesome. This is just a little bit of a precursor there, but you can tell who won the war in your life based on the tongue, the dialect, what you speak. Oh, man, I'm so excited to share that. So the governor helps to establish the language of the kingdom. So who is the Holy Spirit? You know, when, when, when the prophet gets poured out, is, or Joel speaks, the prophet Joel speaks of the Holy Spirit being poured out, he shares all these things that's going to happen, and the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. Who is the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, number one, is not an it, okay? Some people say it, the Holy Spirit. No, that's incorrect. That's, that's poor doctrine. The Holy Spirit is a person, okay? The Holy Spirit's not a cloud, but the Holy Spirit could look like a cloud, but the Holy Spirit, it's not, the cloud isn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a feeling, although you can feel at times the Holy Spirit, but you don't base your faith on feelings. You pay, base your faith on the Word of God. Somebody said, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me or if it's me or what have you? If it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, it's gonna line up with God's Word. The Holy Spirit is not a mist, the Holy Spirit is a person. There is the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he said, let us create man in our image, okay? It, it's, it doesn't create anything. A person creates a person. The person of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Son, the person of the Father came together as the Godhead and created man in their image. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a personality. There's aspects of the Holy Spirit's personality. There's joy. There's laughter, right? You, you get an inside glimpse as to this when you read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? The, the Holy Spirit is a personality. The Holy Spirit is a character. He's got different characteristics and sometimes different mannerisms. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. You can sadden the Holy Spirit, like, like grieved, like, like, like if somebody would say, You're, I hurt your feelings, that, that, hurts, that hurts me. That relationship, what you did, how you spoke to me, that hurts me. The Holy Spirit is a character. The Holy Spirit has senses. The Holy Spirit has feelings. The Holy Spirit is God. And if you don't understand that fact, that the Holy Spirit is God, you'll have a hard time understanding the Holy Spirit. 
I tell you what, you take a look across the body of Christ, globally, the churches that are dying are the ones that have resisted the Holy Spirit, right? Like Stephen rebuked the religious leaders of his days, like, you stiff-necked people, why, why are you resisting the Holy Spirit just like your fathers did? A lot of the churches and denominations that are dying right now are the ones that are resisting the Holy Spirit. And you resist the Holy Spirit enough, then the Holy Spirit says, fine, I'm gonna leave you to your own way. I've tried, I've come many times. I've tried, but if you resist, I will go to a people that won't resist me. That is a sad day. That is a sad day. And that's not this church. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We don't just make room for the Holy Spirit. We give him the room, right? So in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit dwells within believers. What do I mean by that? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit never entered a person. The Holy Spirit came upon a person to do something supernatural, to do the work that God laid out for them to do. The Holy Spirit came and empowered them to do that, and then the Spirit, the Spirit would leave. You read about it, like Samson and his great strength, right? And Samson would work himself up, and he'd flap his hair like Fabio, right? And, and he was this mighty warrior, and God used him incredibly. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and then afterwards, the Holy Spirit left. Ezekiel, you read in the book of Ezekiel all throughout, it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me here. The hand of the Lord was upon me. What is he saying? Essentially, that verbiage means the Holy Spirit came upon him to do this, to do that, to say that, etc. All throughout the Old Testament, you read uh, Isaiah, Daniel, Obadiah, Amos, Zephaniah, Micah, Jeremiah, the Holy Spirit came upon them to prophesy, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. The Holy Spirit would come upon them, and they would prophesy a word, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. He could not enter them. The Holy Spirit could not enter them because they were unholy. They were not clean. And you might say, well, what do you mean? You could only be cleansed by the blood. So when Jesus came, that's, that's why the Holy Spirit comes now as has free access to the believers and to the church for all flesh because Jesus came by the blood of Jesus, there was cleansing power. Two different things happened when Jesus went to the cross at Calvary. There was the cleansing from his blood, and there was the power that got released through the Holy Spirit because Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, after he's baptized, he was full of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit fills Jesus and Jesus goes, and Jesus performs incredible miracles over three and a half years, and Jesus could not release the Holy Spirit until he went away. You're just like the governor. A governor has a governor's house in a territory, right? You may have seen that, in some, especially in different colonial areas, right? You've seen that they would build a house for the governor, and when the governor was there in that region... All the authority of the kingdom was with that governor. So when the king sends the governor to that territory and establishes that governor's house, all the territory from the kingdom comes with the governor, and the governor had what? A governor's mansion, right? So maybe some of you have toured the governor's mansion uh, before. You and I, in the New Testament, 
Like, you're the governor's mansion. You may look in the mirror and say, like, I don't feel like a mansion. You're, you're, you're a multi-million dollar mansion. You're so incredible that God, God spoke everything else into existence, but with you, he formed you out of his own hands, breathed you into life. <sighs> he formed you. You're the governor's mansion. You're the, you're, the, you're the place where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell. Why? To carry out the purposes of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in you? Come on, put your hand on your heart and just say, God's spirit dwells in me. God's spirit dwells in me. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy. You are that temple. You are that temple. That's why God doesn't want you getting caught up in sins and recklessness and lust and pornography and living outside the confines of marriage. No, no, no. God, God wants you to live in harmony with the plans that he laid out for you. Why? Because you're his temple. And he wants to dwell in you. And, and you, as a believer, we, as believers, don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit. When, when, when you sin, God's quick to forgive you if you'll turn and repent. When you have habitual sin and you keep saying, no, 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 the Holy Spirit's grieving. He's like, come on, stop. It's no different than a parent watching a child make mistakes over and over again, and you're like, please, stop doing that. I, I want to help you. Will you just let me help you? The Holy Spirit's saying that to you and I today. Jesus said in John 16, verse 7, he says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage. It's to your benefit. They're like, Jesus, we don't want you to leave. He's like, no, you don't understand. I came so that I can reestablish some things so that the governor can come and reestablish things in your lives. And it's better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, he won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And going back to creation, the kingdom, God creates the heavens and the earth. Because God's the creator, he has, he has creation rights. Like, this is his property. <laughs> this is his property. The earth, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. This is his property. This, so he has reclamation rights, if you will. Like, no, that's my land. And there is a divine timeline where everything goes back to him. And through Jesus, Jesus coming, made a way for the Holy Spirit to come. The goal of Jesus coming wasn't to get you to heaven. The goal of Jesus coming was to make a way so that the Holy Spirit can come to earth and reestablish this place through God's creation. I hope this is making sense. I know it's super deep. I know it's super deep. So, one of the first acts of Jesus that you read about uh, in his resurrected body is he surprises his disciples. <laughs> they're all hiding in the upper room. The doors are locked because they're like, we think the Jews are going to come kill us like they killed Jesus, right? And we've heard that Jesus is resurrected, but we kind of don't know where he is. We, not everybody had seen him. So one of the first things Jesus does, he just kind of like walks into their prayer meeting, freaks them out, doesn't use the door. He's like, <laughs> Jesus is on the scene. And he comes into them and he shares some things with them. And then as they believe, he breathes on them to 
receive the Holy Spirit. So he says to receive. Okay, if any of you understand grammar, uh, you understand that receive isn't really a word. Sieve is the word. Re is to sieve again. So he says, receive the Holy Spirit. When you sieve something, it's, it's, it's yours. It's, it denotes uh, receipt, ownership, property, gift given. You, you've, it's, it's sieved. You receive it when, you're, when it's given back to you. The Holy Spirit was there at the time of creation. When Adam sinned, the Holy Spirit left. And the Holy Spirit would just come and visit periodically. But when Jesus comes, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come back. The Holy Spirit's come back to the life of people. The Holy Spirit's come back to humanity. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's come back to the church. (laughs) Those churches, those people, those believers right now in the body of Christ when you're not resisting, but you're actually welcoming, inviting, seeking the Holy Spirit, there's an incredible grace that comes on you. When you seek after the Holy Spirit and begin to partner with him and ask, Holy Spirit, will you show me something in God's word today? Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? Holy Spirit, will you help me today in my marriage, help me with parenting You may not even have the words to say, and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. (laughs) Jesus is saying today, receive the Holy Spirit. So the goal is not to take us from earth to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth. If you think about it, healing... And the gift of healing is a testimony that God wants you on earth. If not, he would just allow you to die quick. Oh, you believe in Jesus. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. All right, quick trip to heaven. No, the fact that your body continues to be healed, even though it's been battled against by whatever this world has thrown at it, the fallen world that you live in, the fact that you're still alive means you got territory to take. He ain't done with you yet. There's something that he has for you. There's dominion that he wants you to take. There's the king's domain he wants you to establish in different areas. There's dominion in your family. There's territory within your family line. He put you as the person on watch to take that territory for him in your family. There's on your job. You're on your job. It's not to make a paycheck so you can earn money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can get money into your hands. No, no, you're on the job for a purpose to do what? Expand the kingdom, see territory, see lives transformed. Romans 14, 17 says this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus wants to help you establish your territory through the working of the Holy Spirit. What does he want to do? Why does he want to do that? Because he wants every single person, all your sons and daughters, all your men servants, all your maid servants, he wants them to experience the righteousness, peace, and joy that only comes through the Holy Spirit. 
You're saying even the people that hate him? Yes, the people that hate him, he wants them to be converted. Why? So that they would experience righteousness, peace, and joy. I mean, man, if you're searching for something in this world, everybody is searching for righteousness, peace, and joy. They're just using the wrong thing. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion but a government. The Holy Spirit is the governor that helps to bring access to that. Do you know that all the religions of the world, do you know what they're looking for? They're really looking for the Holy Spirit. Ever since the Holy Spirit left, religions have sprung up in its man's quest to receive the Holy Spirit. They don't know what to call it. They call it Buddhism. They call it Baha'i faith. They call it New Age. What are they doing? They're searching after the Holy Spirit. They just haven't found the avenue. And you are ambassadors of Christ, you and I, we're ambassadors of Christ to help expand what? The territory of the kingdom. Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. He says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Everybody say, I got power. Come on, I got power. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're gonna receive power to do what? To be a witness. You're gonna be a witness wherever you go. This week, I'm believing you're gonna be a witness. You're gonna be a witness when you go to the grocery store. You're going to see somebody, God's going to prompt, he's going to put a prompting in your spirit, and you're going to say, oh, that's not me, that must be the Lord, and he's like, yep, that's the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Receive my Holy Spirit, now go and expand my territory where you're at. You'll be in the grocery store, you'll be on tar Target, you oh, maybe not, you'll be, you'll, you'll be in Starbucks, you might be wherever you might be. And you're going to establish and you're going to expand the territory of the kingdom of heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. And the goal is that over time, the kingdom on earth looks so much like the kingdom of heaven that if you were to go between the two of them, you couldn't tell one from the other. And that's what it says in Revelations. Revelations eleven fifteen says this. The seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this world has what? Become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So that's what we're gonna do. So this week, I wanna encourage you. I wanna challenge you. I wanna commission you, if I could use that word. Be carriers of the Holy Spirit. Expand the territory of the kingdom of heaven that you and I would reflect his statutes, his ways, his protocol, living according to his law, his good pleasure, that the language that we, that we speak reflects the kingdom of heaven. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.